to assign value. Who are we to say that people are important? Who are we to decide who is worth our time? Who are we to do that? Open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. You will notice today that there's no pew Bibles in front of you. We're getting ready for VBS, so we took them all out. But all the verses are going to be up on the wonderful screen today. So if we could go ahead and flip to Jonah chapter 4. We'll read together. But Jonah was greatly displeased. And became angry. Angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, it is, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. Those three verses, Jonah uses the word I or me six times. He's got a pretty interesting view of himself. I mean, after all, he says, God, you are the gracious God, abounding in love, slow to anger. Now kill me? Apples and pickup trucks. Right? Now, as Paul Harvey used to say, let's hear the rest of the story. Flip open in Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Mattai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Who are we to assign value? Well, first of all, we have to understand that we're called. Jonah was called to Nineveh. We're called to Summit County. We're called to the second, for some of us, we have a second home, whether it's in New Hampshire, whether it's in Arizona, whether it's in Texas. Some of us are visitors, and we come from all across the country. But we're called to a place. It might not be a booming voice that speaks out of the clouds that we so often are wanting to hear. It might just be, hey, go to CU Boulder. Go study engineering. Go study journalism. It might be for Nick going to the academy and serving in our armed forces. It might be for some of us to be a teacher, to be an educator, to be a tradesman. To be an accountant, to be a realtor, 
We're called to a place. So who are we? Well, we're the ones called there. And we look at this next passage, Jonah chapter 1, verses 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. We went, he went down to Joppa, and where he found a ship and bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. Jonah begins to run away here. This is where I had hoped that our stories with Jonah begin to differ. But the truth is, we'll probably be coming to be more similar. We are also those ones that are busy. We entrench ourselves in busyness. We tell ourselves, we don't have time for that. I don't have the words for that. I don't know how to do that. We are the broken people. Here's Jonah. For whatever reason, we just read it in the fourth chapter that Jonah doesn't want God to save the Ninevites. He doesn't want it to happen. He says, God, didn't I tell you? You're gracious. You're slow to anger. You're going to protect these guys. There's a conversation that takes place after Jonah's called that we don't necessarily see in Scripture, but we know something took place. Jonah didn't want to go. And he didn't, more importantly, didn't want to see the city of Nineveh saved. So he ran. So often, so do we. We get scared of what it will take. We're scared of what the outcome might be. We truly believe that we are too busy in our life. But what about our schedules? What about our families? What about, what about, what about? Who are we to assign value? Who are we to say that people are important? Who are we to give them our time? So Jonah begins to flee, and this is where the Sunday school lesson kicks in. What happens? He goes, gets on the boat, a great storm kicks up. The sailors are going, hey, this isn't supposed to happen. I don't want to be on a boat that's about to be destroyed by the winds and the waves. Let's cast lots and see whose fault it is. While Jonah's sleeping in the basement, huh? Sounds like somebody else we know that was sleeping in a storm. His name is Jesus. Time that other people panicked. As they are crossing the Sea of Galilee. Jonah's sleeping like a baby. Jesus is sleeping like a baby. Interesting coincidence. And so they cast lots to see whose fault it is. Then they pull Jonah out. He comes up and he goes, oh, so the lot falls to me. And they're like, what did you do? Because I'm running from God. Oh. So you brought this upon us. He begins to think about it. 
Does this throw me overboard? Throw me to the depths of the seas. If you do that, you'll be taken care of just fine because God is after me. Have you ever tried to run from God? It can be pretty interesting sometimes. God has interesting ways of getting a hold of us. Might not be doing well on a test. It might be something financially sometimes. It might be something in life where a relationship crumbles. It might be a, a relationship that you're not expecting blossoms. Who knows what God might use to get a hold of your life to start pointing you back into the direction, back into the place that he's called you to. But as we go here, then Jonah is thrown overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Then, here's the, here's the fun part, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And here we go. Here's a prayer from Jonah while he's in the belly of the fish. And it's interesting here, because as we read this, we begin to see that Jonah isn't just some guy. But Jonah looks many like many of us. He knows his theology. He knows who God is. We already saw that in chapter 4. He is gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. He would love to not send his calamity among his people. He's patient. And so we see Jonah in this prayer that for me kind of paints a different picture of who Jonah is. And we'll read it together in verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, starting. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress I called to the Lord. And he answered, from the depths of the grave I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You have hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Can you imagine what it's like to be thrown into the middle of the Mediterranean Sea in the middle of a storm? Waves crashing over you. Darkness surrounds you. No land to be seen. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. Jonah's painting the picture of him now losing the ability to swim in this storm and sinking into the depths of the Mediterranean Sea. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah understands who God is, and Jonah understands the capacity of who God is and the capabilities of who God is. 
When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. But I have vowed I will make good salvation. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. In the next verse it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah here in this prayer, first of all, understands that it's God's job to save people. That salvation comes from the Lord. It's nothing he can do. He understands that. He also understands that clinging to worthless idols does you absolutely no good. That clinging to the things of this world are temporary. That there's no inherent salvation in those things. That they will too disappear from this earth. Who are we to assign value? Who are we to say who's important? Who are we to say who is worth our time? Jonah gets that, well, it's got to come from somewhere. But just the chapter before, he kind of says, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to run away. But he still sees that it's pointless to cling to idols. Pointless. So then he gets vomited on the dry land. Can you imagine that, what it's like to be thrown out of a fish's mouth? We think fishing in the Blue River with this, a hook and pulling that out of its mouth is bad. Can you imagine you being thrown out of a fish's mouth? Awkward. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. This time Jonah obeyed. So he goes into the city of Nineveh. And Nineveh was a city of about 120,000 people. To paint that picture for you, that's five times the annual residence of Summit County. That's 100 times almost the graduating class of Summit High School this year. Colorado Springs, where I grew up, is a half a million people. So it's about a third of that size. If we think about it, 130,000 people, 120,000 people is a lot of people. Most football stadiums fit somewhere between 95 and 105,000 people. Soccer stadiums across the country, or across the globe for that matter, often fit 120 to 150,000 people for soccer games. The World Cup is coming up. Over a million people will go to games. The world's greatest sporting event, most popular sporting event is happening this summer. And it will impact hundreds of thousands and millions of people. We're talking about just the stadium here. 120,000 people. Again, five times the summit count, size of Summit County. Who are we to assign value to those people? 
who are we to say that they're important? Who are we to say that they're worth our time? As Jonah goes through the city of Nineveh, he begins to preach. And he begins to talk about the message that God has given him. And Nineveh comes to know Jesus, comes to repent. And the city is forgiven. They put in sackcloth and mourn their sin. They mourn who they've become. It took three days for Jonah. Three days in a city of 120,000 people changed their ways. So then after it's done, Jonah sits up on a hill. And he reads this. It says this in chapter 4. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee, Tarsh, flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's Jonah's response to a city of 120,000 people coming to know God. Jonah's angry that there's value to those people. Jonah's displeased because they're important to God. I'm sure it, Jonah was mad that it took three days to happen. Three days. Who are we to assign value? Who are we to say that those people are important? Who are we to say that they're worth our time? We're just people. We have our fears. We tend to run away just like Jonah. We tend to get scared of what the outcome might be. The sacrifice that would be involved in that. We tend to think of our lives are just too busy for that. We tend to say things like, I can't make a difference. We tend to believe things that that person doesn't matter because of this. Or I couldn't love that person because of this. Or that person's sin is so outrageous that if they were to come to know Jesus, the world would come to an end. 
Well, the Ninevites were not fun people. They weren't friends with the Jews. Probably fought a little bit. Probably didn't like each other. And we're not just talking Broncos and Raiders not like each other. We're talking Arabs and Jews not liking each other. We're talking about nations not liking each other. War. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in Jonah's shoes and be sent there? He's angry about this. He's bitter. He's mad. And I love this as we look at the last couple of verses. Jonah chapter 4, verse 10. But the Lord said, well, let me back up a little bit. Let me back up. So after this, after this moment where Jonah just kind of has it out with God, Jonah then is sitting on the side of a mountain, watching the city, looking at the city, and a plant has grown up overnight. A plant is giving him shade. Now we probably think, because it says here, that Jonah was probably bald. And those of you that either have a receding hairline or have no hairline, know what it's like for that sun to beat down on your head, especially in the mountains of Colorado. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. Burns a little bit. Of course, in Jonah's age, we didn't have sunscreen. So that means it probably turned about six shades darker than a watermelon. And he finally gets this kind of peace about him. Oh, I'm in the shade. Life is easy. All is well. And then it moves into verse 10. After the plant had died. After God kind of killed it. But the Lord said to you, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from the left. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about the great city? That's a question that is left with Jonah at the end of the book. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Who are we to assign value? We are the right people for the job. We have the most intrinsically valued people in God's eyes because we're his chosen people. We're his family. We're the bride of Christ. We have value given out from God, not to keep for ourselves, but to go to the city of Nineveh and share that value. So the places that we're called, we're not called there just to share space and share life, but to bring value to those people around us. Those co-workers, our financial agents, the people we meet on the side of the streets. Those homeless people that we see and we don't dare even look at them in their eyes because they might want something more. So we take away from their value. 
We are the people that should be looking them in the eyes the most. To be assigning them value. Who are we to say that they're important? If they're important to God, they're important to us. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If they're important to God, they're important to us. Who are we to say they're important? We're the right people for the job. What's going to happen? He's going to bring them to Jesus? He's going to win them to himself? Are we going to be that angry if God saves our neighbor? Are we going to take the place of Jonah here and literally tell God to kill us because he brought someone we know to Jesus? I don't want to be that guy. So who are we to say that their life and that our time is important to them? Again, if it's going to take time, who are we to give it? The things of this world disappear, the money, the busyness of life. It's the most valuable commodity. Actually, you can figure out how much your time is worth. The truth is, is it's priceless. Because it's the one thing you'll never get back. You can always make more money. You can always make more friends. You can always get a new family. But you'll never get your time back. So who are we to say that time is important for them? We're the right people. It took three days for, jo- for Jonah to walk through the city of Nineveh. Three days. City of 120,000 people. might take you having a barbecue, going on a hike, enjoying this marvelous Colorado weather. I'm so glad I am preaching and it's not snowing today. (sighs) I was really getting nervous too. I saw those clouds rolling this morning and I was like, oh no, it's going to happen again. But who are we to say that it's important? God cares about this city. God could care less about that plant that Jonah was wrapped up in. But God cares about the city of Nineveh. God cares about Summit County. God cares about the people you meet on a daily basis. Whether you know them or you don't, God cares about them. Who are we to give them value? We're the right people for the job. Because we can give them the most value in the world. Think about the teenagers in this world that you've heard the stories at the age of 14 have gotten pregnant because no one has stepped into their life to breed and grow value from God. Think about the people in our nursing homes and across America that don't get visits because nobody sees them. Nobody has value for them. If we move into that, we bring them value. We bring them love. Think about your neighbors in a Summit County, in a place that everyone comes here to play. What if we step in and give them the ultimate value? That they're not just some number, some skier on our slopes, but they matter to us and they matter to God.
What if we don't just say that those people are just important to someone, but they're important to us? So we do the most important thing, which is share our time with them. We take them to coffee. They have a barbecue. We do something simple to show that they matter to us. Because they matter to God. Should I not be concerned about that great city? The answer is God is. That's why he sent Jonah. That's why kicking and screaming Jonah went. And that's why ultimately God saved the city of Nineveh. Because he cares. What's going to be the worst thing if our county comes to know Jesus? We're going to somehow have a huge bonfire and mystic dancing? No. We're going to have a ball. We're going to have fun. We're going to go and take the state of Colorado. That's what's going to happen if we take Summit County. We're going to change the workplace. We're going to change the definition of people. We're going to show them value. We're going to show them that they're important. We're going to show them that they're worth our time. And that, folks, is the rest of the story. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have the ushers come forward. Lord, as you've called us here, or you've called us to some other place to live and to be amongst your people, help us show them value. Help us to show them that they're important to us. That they're worth our time. Lord, this summer is beautiful in Colorado. The snow has finally gone away. Maybe. But you've opened the door to your ministry. Door that's always open. Let us take advantage of that, that this summer. In your powerful name. Amen. Ushers, if you'd like to.